It is Earth Month. We're coming up on Earth Day, and I had the chance to speak with an author uh, who lives in the UK. He is the author of a new children's book. It's a beautiful new children's book to help teach the coming generations about how to live sustainably on this place that we call home, that all of us call home, and we're going to have to call home for hopefully a long time to come. Check out my interview with author Christopher Lloyd. My guest today is Christopher Lloyd. He is a world-renowned author uh, and the author of a new book here. We're talking in Earth Month right now. The new book is called It's Up to Us, Building a Brighter Future for Nature, People, and Planet. Christopher, so good to see you. Thanks for being with me. Thank you, Graham. Great to see you, too. Yeah, so this book is pretty incredible. It is, um, it's beautifully illustrated, and then the story, obviously, uh, is beautiful, but kind of scary, too, uh, in, in what lies ahead for our planet if we don't make some big changes. Can you show me the book first, give us a, a view of it, and tell us just kind of a general overview about it? Of course I can. Here it is, uh, Graham, with a beautiful cover, which is illustrated by two Vietnamese artists, actually, and inside the book, we tell the story of what the world was like before people, uh, nature, and then what people have done to the world over the last few hundred years, the problems for the planet. And then we look forward to an idea that was inspired by Prince Charles uh, to a new set of rules or guidelines that we can abide by to help try and fix the problem. And he's called this the Terra Carta in the spirit of other great big agreements like Magna Carta, which some of your viewers may recall was sealed over 800 years ago over in my country in England by King John. Sure. I mean, gosh, the, to have Chris or to have uh, Prince Charles writing your forward and having the backing here, that that's some pretty major clout. You don't get get much better than the future King of England. What, how did that partnership come about? And was it kind of surreal for you to have his name on your book? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a huge honor, of course. He's written the forward to the book. Uh, and um, Prince Charles has been for about 50 years. He's been a crusader for all things to do with putting nature first. Here I can put the letter that he's written as an introduction to the book on a beautiful painting by uh, an artist called Ganella from Iceland. And in fact, every spread in the book is painted by an artist from a different part of the world, because it's really a global story. We've all got to pay attention to the way we live to try and protect our children and grandchildren's future. So uh, Prince Charles, he's always wanted to put nature first. And I think for a long time, people weren't really listening. And now that we've become more aware of the damage we've been doing to the environment, the more resonance and the more power his message, I think, has become. Uh, and he's uh, particularly passionate about um, trying to focus this uh, story to young people, as, as am I, as a children's nonfiction author. So when I uh, read about his new idea about the Terra Carta, a new set of rules for the future, I instinctively thought I must get in touch with his team and see if we could turn this into a children's book in time for Earth Day, uh, which, is, which is, of course, now, uh, so that people all over the world uh, and particularly in first world countries like the US and the UK can start to think about the way we lead our lives and how we might want to make some changes and, and for our children to activate those conversations to the adults in their lives. And, and I, I'm a great believer that actually when people get to the age of 30 or 40 or 50, their minds are pretty made up. They know which political party they support. They know, you know what, what they think is right and wrong. But young people are still formulating their ideas. And, and the most the best opportunity to try and persuade adults to think differently is when they get difficult questions from their children. Now, why don't we have solar panels, dad? You know, why are we eating food that's grown on the other side of the world when it could be grown here, mom? You know, and if children can have these conversations, then adults, I believe, 
have a chance of listening and, and, and thinking about the way that we lead our lives in the future. And, and for, for Prince Charles's team, when I suggested this to them, they, they have a charitable foundation called the Prince's Foundation, which you can see on the back here. I don't know if you can see that there. No. They do amazing work in Scotland um, uh, about sustainable living. So it was just a natural fit for us to say, let's collaborate, let's do a book. Let's really try and open the eyes of children to be the, the catalysts of a conversation in the, in the homes of, of, of ordinary people. That's great. You kind of answered my next question. I was going to you know, ask, do we have time to wait for the kids, the younger generation, but I guess the, the point is to get them to try to, to, to prod the adults a little bit. And that does make oh, a lot of sense. And I think, I think, you know, if you're reading a bedtime story with your child and it's, and it, that is a very special moment uh, in the life of an adult and a parent and a grandparent, if you can have that conversation, that dinner conversation or, or tabletop conversation you have with children, they're very special moments and children are very perceptive. And they can ask some very, very interesting questions that make adults think because they see the world, you know, through a fresh lens. We tend to think of things as ordinary and boring and everyday, not to a young person. And, and that's the mindset we need if we're going to change the way people uh, lead their lives. So I think this could be, you know, a, have a bigger impact in the short term, perhaps than, you know, COP26. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Do you have, uh, you mentioned some of the illustrations, there are 33 in the book. Do you have a, a favorite? I was probably trying to pick a favorite kid, but is there one that stands out to you? Isn't it difficult? I mean, I have to say there are so many powerful illustrations. We, we, we originally asked one illustrator, but we had so little time to do the book that we ended up thinking, well, let's apply the principles of, of global, of, of everybody being involved, and let's ask a different artist to illustrate every page. I suppose if I have to, to, to choose one, this is a very powerful one by Sidney Smith, who's a Canadian artist, uh, quite a famous one, actually, of two children looking over a beautiful scene on a beach over the ocean, but in the distance, you can see there's trouble brewing with the industrial complex belching out pollution. And this is the beginning of chapter two, People, uh, which begins, humans find everything we need in the nature that surrounds us. And then explains how by making the world that we feel comfortable in, we've really neglected the needs of other living things. And eventually that will undermine our own prosperity too. So it's a really important change of tone in the story. Beautifully captured, I think, by the artist there with this lovely scene, but with the sort of drama beginning to build on the horizon. Nice. Um, and you've written other books about just the entire history of the world, the earth in general, humans, obviously, relatively new uh, to to earth. Do you think um, really this moment in time that we're at right now, are, have you really felt kind of the urgency, the impact in the last what? 10, 20 years? Are you feeling that it's, it's getting really more urgent very quickly? Or where do you stand on kind of the, the pace of, of how climate change and what we're doing to the earth is, is uh, progressing? Well, I think we're beginning to see a, a confluence of different crises, to be honest, Graham. You know, people, economists have always ignored nature, really, traditionally, in their calculations. And we're finding now petrol gas prices are going up. We're finding cost of living. We're finding inflation. It's all connected. This is the thing. It is actually connected to the climate crisis. You may that maybe not be the way that it's portrayed on the news. But actually, if we have to wean ourselves off fossil fuels, there's a little bit of a sort of fight to the bottom in terms of, you know, Putin with his fossil fuel supplies, using his leverage to try and, you know, play his geopolitics. It's all connected to the fact that, that ultimately, and actually not very far down the, the road, we have to find a different way of living. And, and we have to find a way of weaning ourselves off this kind of slight drug addiction of, of having fossil fuels, which is sunlight, 
but sunlight that we've taken, that was buried safely in the past, and we're putting back into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide, which is like a blanket making the world warmer and warmer. And we explain all this in the book for the children, so that if the adults aren't listening, the children can teach the grown-ups. You know, and, and if that can begin to happen, then I am actually much more optimistic about the future, that we have to activate the younger generation, let them into the conversation and be part of the agents of change. And then I think people, you know, the one thing about human nature I've done with all my history books, like I wrote one from the beginning of time to the present day called Absolutely Everything. And I learned from doing that that humans are an adaptable species. We adapted in the ice ages by, by working out how to make fire so that we can keep warm. We've adapted all the way through you know, human civilizations by, by being able to grow food uh, rather than just hunt for it. So there's enough to go around. We can adapt again, but we just have to be able to have the conversation and to put nature first. And children know they're part of nature. And this is what Prince Charles says right at the beginning of his forward, that their curiosity and their natural instinct is to know they're part of nature. As adults, because we're in our houses and our homes and our cars and our trains, sometimes we feel apart from nature. If we feel a part of nature and we can remind us of that by our children, reminding us that we're part of nature, then I think there's hope for us all in the future. I sure hope so too. Where can folks, where's the best place to get hands on the book? Well, uh, any good bookshop, of course, and I would always encourage your readers to go to a bookshop because there's nothing more wonderful than taking children to a bookshop and showing them the incredible stories there. But if, if your time's short, you can just uh, put It's Up To Us uh, into your browser and you can go online and you'll find it at your favorite online store, of course you will, or put in Christopher Lloyd or even HRH Prince of Wales. It will pop up there uh, in, into your search and, 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 and a donation to the Princess Foundation is made with every copy that we, uh, that we sell. And also um, that this is um, offset by carbon, you know, planting trees, of course, like many products these days. There's also information on the back as to how many grams of CO2 are, are emitted as a result of the making of, of each book and what that's equivalent to. So there's a way of sort of people beginning to sort of have agency themselves over what they buy uh, and whether they feel that this is a good way of, of, of spending their money and, their, and the world's resources. Yeah, a lesson in sustainability just in the, in the actual book itself. And uh, finally, we're in Earth Month right now. What, besides having these conversations, any other activities you encourage parents and kids to do uh, to learn about this problem and some solutions? Well, again, I think it's all about trying to have shared experiences within nature um, of, 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 of enjoying being outside, of going for a walk in the woods. I mean, this is spring. This is a magical time. And you can make so much, you know, walk in the woods. You can be talking about fungi. You can be talking about plants. You can be about the wind and what makes the wind, what makes that sound in the trees, about the, the water in the riverbank. You know, there's so many conversations that can be triggered just from being outside in nature that makes the kind of humanity in us that binds us together, whatever age we are, uh, connect us with the world around us. And if we all have that mindset and we use this month to remind ourselves that we're part of nature, not apart from nature, then everybody will be in the right mindset to adapt, to make a difference to their lives, to save the future. I love it. Christopher Lloyd, congratulations again on the book. And thank you so much for spreading this important message. Thank you, Grant. Thank you. 
It was a pleasure to talk with Chris a bit earlier today. Really appreciate the work he's doing in not his first book. Uh, he has several books in this series. Can you go to whatonearthbooks.com uh, and you see the book right there if you want more information about it uh, to kind of get more of a peek inside of it as well. It really is worth it for the illustrations itself. 33 different artists from around the world, each designing a different page of this book. There's also, uh, again, he mentioned the, uh, the forward uh, by Prince Charles. Uh, and then there's also a, a poster here you can download, print out, uh, and download some activities uh, for your kids as well if you want to uh, do something to kind of celebrate and honor Earth Month and Earth Day, uh, which is coming up as well.